Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful and compelling. Today, I'm super excited to have Barbie Cervoni on the show. Barbie, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. It seems like we've had this booked forever. We have. I think we put it on the calendar in November. Wow. Yeah. And what a long few months this has been with shelter in place and COVID-19. So how are you hanging in there? We are fortunately doing really well. Um, both of my children are in school five days a week. Uh, we did have a situation where we had to homeschool for a little bit because of a close contact, but otherwise we are healthy. We are safe um, and everyone's doing well. You sound like a woman who lives in gratitude and that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. We definitely need to find the silver linings throughout this crazy, crazy time we are living in. Well, I'm too old to have a kid. I need to homeschool, but thank God I don't because I'll tell you <laughs> that person, this young person uh, would be in big trouble if I had to homeschool them because I just... Not only do I not have the patience to do so, I don't think I'd understand half of what they're teaching now. I mean, it's crazy the stuff they're learning. So good, good on you, as they say in um, my husband's on my husband's side of the family. <laughs> good on you for, for being able to handle that. I know we over here we say good for you a lot. Um, yeah. I think that any women who are working from home and homeschooling, my hat goes off to you. Um, we are very fortunate, uh, the situation that we are in. Not many schools are in school five days a week. Um, so, you know, it takes a lot of patience. And the kids, they, they somehow adapt. It, it's quite remarkable how resilient they are. We just have to keep doing our emotional check-ins on the regular and make sure they're telling us how they feel and navigating that the best way that we can. Um, but, you know, we're all in this together, as I tell all my mommy friends. That's <laughs> awesome. I was just going to ask you, how are the kids coping? You know, I want to say uh, one of the things we say at home a lot or as a community is one hour at a time, one day at a time. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> the situation changes uh, regularly. You know, we're inundated with messages from school about positive cases and classes needing to shut down, um, after school activities. Now we're in this place where it's cold in New York and to be social, you need to be inside. So what's the risk, you know, what risk are you taking? Who's right. in your bedroom? The kids, I would say they miss being able to be free and doing things that they normally do that now require them to either wear a mask or they can't do. Um, my kids in particular, we had a challenging um, break because our, my husband's whole family got COVID. So we didn't get to see family for the holidays. And that that was an adjustment for them. But we, you know, we tried to do different fun things at home as a family. And thankfully everyone's getting better. And um it's a lot, but 
That's there. really hard for such a close. I know that you come from a community or a family culture that's very close knit. So I know that was probably really hard for the kids not to be with family during the holidays. So, wow. Um, yeah, that kids are resilient. So good to hear that they're handling. Um, what about you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do? Tell us about yourself. Oh, sure. So I am a registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. Um, interestingly, as I could never, ever imagine myself not being a dietitian, I love everything about it. I love um, food. I love teaching people how to make healthy choices and change behaviors. I didn't always know that this is what I wanted to do. So um, my undergraduate degree is in psychology. I, I went to Loyola College, which is now Loyola University, which is where I met my husband. So it was definitely an important part of my life. Um, but when I graduated school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I thought psychology was my passion. I come from a family of substance abuse and disordered eating. Um, I had suffered with my own uh, eating disorder during college and in some into my young 20s. So I thought that that being a psychologist is what I wanted to do. Um, but after I graduated, I decided to take a job in Manhattan. I was a junior recruiter um, at US, um, UBC, sorry, um, USBC Bank. And I worked there for six months. I was working like 70 hour work weeks, sitting at my desk all the time, feeling really unhealthy and just down. And I actually just looked on the computer and found that New York University had a nutrition and dietetics program. And I was like, that just sounds unbelievable to me. That sounds so cool. And I wanted to get out of my house. So I sold my car and I wish it was a Mustang convertible, which is my favorite possession. <laughs> <laughs> I sold my car, I moved to Manhattan and I got my degree, my master's degree in clinical nutrition from NYU. Um, I met really amazing people and had wonderful experience. Uh, during the tail end of my internship, because when you are in dietetics, you have to do an internship in a hospital for six months, um, I started to develop these really weird symptoms. Uh, increased heartbeat. Everyone thought I was just anxious finishing up my master's degree. To make a very long story short, um, I went to have laparoscopic surgery to remove what they thought was a cyst, and it turned out to be um, thymoma, which is a very rare cancer. Um, oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was a week before my dietetic internship graduation. I had surgery. I wound up going to the graduation a week later. We took a limo into Manhattan so that I could get my, um, my diploma. And I did five weeks radiation um, after that. And things were great. Uh, I studied to become, a, you know, to take my certification test. And my first job was in pediatrics at Cohen Children's Medical Center, which I absolutely loved. I'm, I'm having, you know, the disordered eating pass and 
being overweight, I wanted to work with kids who, you know, were just developing their behaviors. And I fell into the world of diabetes. I became a diabetes educator. Um, while I was there, I wanted to start having my own family. So I felt like being around kids and sometimes sick kids was becoming really hard for me. So I actually decided to leave there and I um, went to a different hospital and I was a diabetes educator there, but working with a different population. Um, we were working with adults with type two diabetes. And while I was doing that, I developed lots of relationships with physicians. I started doing some writing for, at the time it was about.com and now it's called verywell.com. I was their diabetes expert. And that was kind of like my side thing. I really enjoyed it. it was, I could be creative. Um, I so had I knew, oh, yeah. my, uh, my audio is weird right now, but I knew about.com and I love verywell.com. I use it a lot. That's awesome. We really um, pride ourselves in having credible, relevant, science-based information. Most of the people who write for them are experts in the field. And if they aren't, if they are, let's say, a journalism major, everything is actually fact-checked. And um, I do that as well. So I'm on the, we have a wellness board and there's a medical review board. So any article that comes through is um, fact-checked for make sure it's relevant, current, science-based. So that's been, that's been a really fun experience. I feel like I'm able to educate a large population of people doing that. Um, and everyone's looking for information online anyway. So I was finding in my counseling sessions that people would always say to me, well, I read such and such online and they may not have been reading from a reputable source. So I knew that that was, some, that was a, a place I wanted to be. Um, and after my, the birth of my second child, my, my health stuff um, resurfaced and I couldn't counsel patients anymore. So when my youngest son was around six months old, I started to develop crippling back pain, insomnia, sweating, um, just very, very weird symptoms. Again, a long medical history, lots of physician appointments in between. It turned out that my cancer had returned and returned with a vengeance. Um, I had to have, yeah, it was hard. I had two small children at home um, and no one really knew why I was so sick. So we thought I'd have surgery and get better. But instead of getting better, I got much, much worse. Um, continued to lose weight. I, I like all of my faculties were gone. I mean, I couldn't even sit down to eat a meal because I was so thin and bony that it hurt. <laughs> I had, um, it was, it was pretty, you know, looking back, it's remarkable what human beings are capable of doing because I, I couldn't fathom being in that situation again, but somehow we powered through we did it. Um, the, the cancer had triggered an even rarer autoimmune disease, which took about eight weeks to diagnose. Um, it's called Morbin syndrome. And 
I want to say at the time I was diagnosed, which was about four years ago, I think there were only 18 documented cases. Wow. Um, yeah, really, really rare. And since my diagnosis, I've talked to my medical team, they've been able to identify other people with similar symptoms, um, which is which is great because oftentimes when you have something that's so rare and no one knows what it is, you can kind of drive yourself crazy thinking that perhaps you're making yourself sick. Um, so to have a diagnosis was wonderful. Um, it was a long road to recovery and, you know, I'm still, I still have an autoimmune disease um, and I still actually have cancer still. So my career is, I'm fortunate enough that my career is also my passion. Like I, I do believe the past four years since my diagnosis that all of my healthy habits matter. Like I may not be yeah. able to cure myself, but I can control it. Um, so this has evolved my, my nutrition, my passion, my career into something a little bit different. Um, so I'm really, really into cooking right now. And I'm doing a plant-based certification with the company called Ruby. So I'm hoping that I can use my cooking strategies and techniques to help other people, you know, make their healthy habits a reality. A lot of times people who struggle with any type of nutrition problem, they don't, they don't know where to start. They're very overwhelmed. So putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, um, I do notice like even just talking about it out loud, like they're every part of a career step for me was fueled by what was happening in my life. And even your education, see that um, when you studied psychology, that has something to do with it as well. Do you see that? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. There, there is a part of nutrition um, and dietetics that is about behavior modification and knowing how to be an active listener, knowing how to um, develop rapport with a patient or a client, understanding what they need, understanding their culture. Um, you really have to look at the whole person and, and when you're trying to help them. Do you do guest talks? Do I do guest talks? Yes. Um, I haven't, you know, I definitely put some things on hold when I got sick, um, things that I've always wanted to do because when you are living with a chronic condition, there is like this, this always this fear in the background. Um, can I, can I do this? Like, you know, how much stress can I take on? Not saying that that would be stressful, but like, what are my limitations? What can I do? And it's something that I, I'm working on regularly. I, I, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen to me a month from now, two months from now, a year from now. So instead of being afraid of doing more, I just want to do it all. <laughs> yeah, I 
think that's because you're a courageous young woman and you um, tend to, to uh, instead of run away, you run toward. I want to say one thing. I know that um, we're having a little bit of audio difficulty when I speak on your end, there's some feedback, but um, I want to push through this because I think you're remarkable. And there are a couple mm -hmm. things I want to say about your story. I recognize why the universe pushed you towards psychology first. Um, and then how every other puzzle piece fit into place. I think you're one of the most courageous people I've ever met, if not among, you know, top two. Uh, <laughs> I have a niece who happens to be the chief administrative officer at the Sanford Institute of Empathy and Compassion at the medical school at University of California, San Diego. I would love for the two of you to meet and, and you to share your story with her, or at least I'll share this blogcast with her and she can hear your story because doctors need to hear what your story is, what you've gone through and how you've molded and shaped your career around your personal journey. Um, I think that people need to understand nutrition is the body's medicine, right? What we put into it, how it, how it, contributes to the way we function. Um, I personally want to hire you. Um, uh, I do not have diabetes, but I have through stress from a, a family tra a trauma or tragedy um, that's out of my control, have gained an inordinate amount of weight. Now I'm starting to lose it through COVID. Um, uh, the stressful situation has been taken away from me. And it's an interesting study to see how I've lost weight now that I'm not able to care give like I was required to do prior to COVID. Sure. So that to me tells me it's inextricably linked, directly linked. Um, I would love to learn more about nutrition and how to cook right and use this new, well, it's not new, it's a year old, but this unopened box with an instant pot in it. <laughs> Um, I just think it, that food is medicine and, you know, gut health is important, um, but I don't know anything about any of that. And it's all tied together. I do know that much. And I think you're fascinating how you, um, of course, you have medicine that doctors prescribe, I'm sure, but you also have food that is medicine and, you know, what you put inside your body, you know, nutrition is medicine as well. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I, when I first was diagnosed with my autoimmune disease, I was told that I would have to get infusions. Um, well, first it was every two weeks and then I was able to push them every few months. And then miraculously, they said I'd never be able to do it. I haven't had a treatment in a year and a half and I don't have many symptoms at all. Um, so I do think that what I put into my body, how I move my body, how I think, um, how I manage my stress. And, and I'm not perfect. I certainly have to work at all of these things. I think most people do. But the medicine for me was an acute thing. Like I, I, as much as I wanted to do all those things for myself when I was really sick, when you're really, really sick, you're just get barely getting by like you just need to figure out a way to get through it so the the medicine helped me in that regard but now moving forward I have the opportunity to help myself every day yeah, yeah. What a, what a 
yeah, I, I definitely have, you know, tried many different things. And that's why one of the things I always talk about with people that I counsel or in my writing, I've really pushed this on the website because they do a lot of reviews on specific diets and, you know, there is no one size fits all. And even in your own body, your needs can change over the course of your lifespan. What's going on? How active are you? Are you ill? Um, my youngest son dealt with food allergies and severe eczema and um, had some developmental challenges when he was little. And I was able to use some dietary interventions to help him. And my, my friends who are colleagues always tell me, they're like, you need to share that story too, because there was probably a year or so, I kept sending them pictures of the food that I was feeding the kids and they, they were just like, weren't eating what I wanted them to be eating. And that definitely happens developmentally you know, when kids start to develop opinions about food around like age three, but I just kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying and it might probably took me a year to get my kids to eat salmon. And now it's like their favorite food. <laughs> oh my God. I love salmon. My son loves salmon. I have a funny quick story for you. Um, when I was a new mom, I used to be a health fanatic. Like I worked out six days a week and I ate only clean organic. I didn't drink alcohol. I loved water. I mean, I was, you know, no salt, no butter, no oil. Um, but, and I owned an organic food restaurant. I mean, I was very, very, very healthy. And so I raised my infant then moving into, I guess, what, however old you are when you are in um, preschool or daycare, daycare, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, and he had only had water and he loved water. Like I had not introduced sugar at all. He, you know, it was, he just loved water. Why would I ever give him juice if he loved water? So um, I go to the, to pick him up one day and they had given him apple juice and he had never had that before. And I was like, oh my gosh, please don't give him that. You know, he likes water. Why would you give him apple juice? And they were like, oh, okay. And uh, um, it was because of the sugar content. I didn't want him to have it. Mm -hmm. and, and I know I was extreme, but why introduce sugar before I needed to, right? So the next day or a couple of days later, I go to pick him up and they're like, you know, I picked him up every day, but this particular time I go to pick him up and they're like, oh, we didn't give him any apple juice today. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> So I go to pick him up and he's got a, a cone of cotton candy in his hand. <laughs> and I was like, you totally missed the whole point of no apple juice. It was oh I didn't want him to have sugar. Yet you gave him water and cotton candy. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's hysterical. My husband teases me all the time because on our firstborn's first birthday, we got him a smash cake and like he wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, you thought that your kid was never going to like sugar. And now he's seven and he like fiends for Swedish fish and sour patch kids. I mean, it's an, <laughs> it's an innate thing for kids to like sugar, to like carbs. That's what they do. You know, you're just trying to teach them about making good choices most of the time, not labeling foods. Again, that's where that psychology piece comes in in terms of knowing how to deal with people. 
Yeah, and what kind of sugar, sugar and limiting the intake. Luckily, my one child is very healthy, fit, knows nutrition. He's, uh, you know, extreme. He's he's extremely fit and lean, and and looks at you know the labels, etc. He you think he was your child, not mine. <laughs> Well, well, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, whenever I meet someone new, they're like, oh my God, you're a dietitian. Don't watch what I'm eating. I'm like, I'm not the food police. Like, I'm not the food police. I'm not watching everything you put in your mouth. Like, <laughs> don't worry. People think you're judging them when you're not. I know. Um, well, let me ask you this. Did you have a mentor? I know how close you and your husband are because I know him. He's a wonderful person. You're both remarkable people. Um, just we need more people like you on this planet. Um, tell me, who inspired you personally? Um, I'm sure he was there too, but has there been a mentor or a sponsor in your life? Um Fortunately, I have a sister who nice. is older than me, but um, <clears throat> has always served as a source of motivation and inspiration for me. Um, she also had a very difficult upbringing and knows how to make lemonade out of lemons always. Um, she has a pretty amazing story herself. Um, she one day decided to drive cross country with $500 in her pocket and created a successful chiropractic practice. Um, she's overcome so much. And although we don't live close, um, we talk every day. And even in my adolescence and you know teenage years when the age difference was much larger because of developmentally and things like that. Um, she always wrote to me. Uh, she always tried to encourage me to do better, to, to follow my dreams, to be um, confident in myself. And, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for that. I lost my mom when I was five. So my sister has always been like a constant force. I mean, throughout our lives, our relationship has changed because it was confusing. Am I your sister? Am I your friend? Am I your mom? But now that we are both in the wellness business, raising boys, she has three boys. I have two boys. Um, she had kids a little bit later. So thankfully the age gap isn't so small, but she still, she still is motivating to me. And I'm always amazed at all that she's doing. That is so... Where is she, did you say? She lives in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Oh, I used to live in Situate. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, she created a beautiful life for herself there. Um, we love Newburyport, it's a wonderful town. You're not that far. No, we, we, we're fortunately, we get to see each other. I mean, before COVID hit, we would see each other at least four or five times a year. It's been a little bit harder now, of course, but... Um, Hopefully we'll, this summer, everyone will be semi back to normal. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, that's awesome that you're that close and she could serve as, you know, mom slash sister slash friend. And, it, and now you have it kind of all figured out. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. That's a great segue to how do you think women can support other women in business? That's a great question. I would say, um, you know, 
it's really important, even within your own field, to know that there's room for everyone. So, you know, just support each other. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Um, you know, there's enough work out there for everyone that we can all find our way. And we would do it better if we were friends with each other, were kind to one another, and, you know, gave each other pieces of advice here and there. Um, I think that that would be would be wonderful for everyone. I agree. I agree. That, that has to do with being secure in yourself as well. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's easy to... To get overwhelmed, I think, for any any woman in any profession to get overwhelmed when they think they should be doing more at a certain time or they have a timeline for themselves, you kind of worry that you're going to miss the mark on something and someone's doing it already and you're not doing it. But I think that if you can find those people, if that's what you aspire to be, you know, this is something that my husband has taught me so much about is developing relationships and, and not being afraid of reaching out to someone who may be more senior than you or have more experience because a lot of times those people, they wanna help you. Um, they don't see you as a threat. And if they do, then it wasn't the right connection, you know? You know, let me just tell you, this is not his show, it's yours, but I just wanna give a shout out to him. He helped me help someone else. There was nothing in it for him, nothing in it for me. And he helped thousands of little underrepresented girls in their um, desire to be in the world of STEM, where they had no other opportunity to connect to that world. I'm on the board at a, a, a group called Ignite Worldwide, and they do incredible work. And your husband hooked us up with someone who helped them uh, do work globally and he did so with no payment, no favor, no nothing in return. Like he really lifted thousands of little underrepresented girls across the globe with no, um, no expectation of anything in return for him or me. He just did it from the kindness of his heart. That's amazing. I love to hear things like that. Thank you for sharing. You bet. The CEO of uh, Ignite worldwide was like what a remarkable person this is thank you so much for introducing us um she, she was blown away i mean you know the jokes about lawyers i mean they don't do anything like that <laughs> but he's an exception you know he's wonderful thank you thank you he is definitely an exception to the to the lawyer stigma <laughs> right right he's not the the lawyer joke that um is out there. Well, let me ask you, this is the point in the show where I do what's called the wild card question. Okay. And you can say no, you don't want to play, um, or you can say yes, and then I'll pull a question out of a box. I don't know the question. You don't know the question. Neither of us has ever seen the question. If you're game, I'll do it. If you're not, I won't. No, of course. My motto for this year is I will not live in fear. So whatever you have to ask, I'm ready to answer. <laughs> wow. I, that is such a great motto for you and you seem to live it. All right. Well, here we go. 144 okay. questions. I'm going to pull one out. Oh, this is a great question, especially for the theme of what I do for a living. Um, and you too. So how would things be different if most of the world's leaders were women? 
Oh, that's a good one. I, we, <laughs> we have, um, we have some new, new life in our family. My husband, uh, both of my sister-in-laws have babies and of the six grandchildren that my father-in-law and mother-in-law have five of them are boys and one of them are one of them is a girl and oh my. I, I love I hold her and I I sing to her who run the world girls and it's just like so great um she is gonna be our sassy um amazing Bella we'll call her um so if the world was run by women I would say that it would be beautiful and colorful and everyone would try to put themselves in someone else's shoes before making decisions. I would hope that the women would be very empathic. I would You know, we do, we are more empathic. So I think that's a really great answer. We ask more questions. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a fantastic answer. And what a really hard question. Like some of the questions are, what would you do if you had a day to do anything? You know, that's an easy question. This was right. a hard, hard question. What a beautiful answer. That was awesome, Barbie. Oh, thank you're, you. You're a terrific person. I want to keep in touch. Um, I'd like to, you know, learn more about what you do and how you help others. And um, I would just love to stay in touch with you. You're amazing. Thank you so much. That would be wonderful. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they? Um, you can look for me on LinkedIn, um, Barbie Cervoni. I'm on Instagram, Barbie Cervoni. I have a Facebook following all about diabetes. Um, or they can email me, barbiebro at gmail.com. And folks, you know, I'll create a blog about Barbie and we'll have pictures that tell her story. We'll have her bio, her headshot, and her contact info, as well as this podcast. So it has been my pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, hugs and kisses all around. You have a great family. Stay safe. And we pray and hope for healing and continued success. Thank you. I really appreciate that so much. Have a good day and happy to everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.